Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Acts 5. Time and truth go hand in hand. That's what one of my former pastors said a lot. And it expresses the truth that given more time, someone's integrity will likely be vindicated or a lack of integrity will likely be exposed. And we're going to see some similar advice from a very different source, an old Jewish rabbi who's going to say not those same words, but he's going to warn that if something is of God, it will not be able to be overthrown. And I don't know how exactly he intended those words or what his opinion totally was of what was going on in the early church, but those words were true. And here we are 2,000 years later to, to say the work that God was doing through the church and is doing through the church, it will not be able to be overthrown. And there's going to be a couple applications of that as we see this chapter. If what, if what is going on is really of God, it will have an enduring quality. And, and the first application that I want us to make from that is to be holy. Now, we're going to see this in the story, the familiar story of Ananias and Sapphira. And now you know this story. They get exposed for lying and they get struck down dead. Now, this is not always how it works. Um, God does not always judge sin like this, but that does not mean that our sin is any less serious. In, in particular, this passage highlights the sin of deception and lying. And so here, what we see, it's against the backdrop of what, what happens at the end of chapter four, where people are selling their property and giving the money to the church. And especially they're using that in the midst of persecution for people in need. So Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, they sell a piece of property. But as you read the passage, um, it seems that the error is not that they didn't give all the money from the property. It's that they said they gave all the money for the property when in fact they held some back. Because you'll even see Peter say something to the effect that, hey, you could have done whatever you wanted with the money, but you have lied. And even it's the sin of deception that gets brought forth here and lies upon lies are punished. Because even Sapphira is given a chance to correct the lie, but she does not do it. And, and this is a powerful testimony. Time and truth go hand in hand. Ananias and Sapphira, their sin was exposed immediately and supernaturally. Uh, your sin may not be exposed in the same way, but give it time. If you are living a life uh, that is characterized by deception, if you are telling lies, those lies are going to catch up to you. And that's going to have painful consequences in your life. But let this passage simply speak to you about how seriously God takes lying and deception. And again, he doesn't always judge sin immediately like this, uh, but that's an expression of his mercy. 
Uh, God doesn't feel any less upset about your lying and deception than he did about Ananias and Sapphira. No, it's, it's all wicked and it is sinful. And again, time and truth go hand in hand. And if you are not walking in truth, it's going to be exposed. Uh, and that's showing that what you are doing is not of God. So it's going to be overthrown. Uh, that's kind of the first application that I want us to see. And then in verses 12 through 16, we see more, uh, these are common statements here, especially in the early chapters uh, that, that talk about the signs and wonders that are being done. And we see there's this mixture of people that are afraid, uh, but they're also holding the church in high esteem. They're afraid because they, they they see these wonders, they hear about things like Ananias and Sapphira. And so there's a fear, but there's also an esteem. And we know some are being drawn to Christ and, and putting their faith in him, repenting, being baptized and joining the church. And and these are statements really showing this movement of the early church. It was from God and God was attesting to that with signs and wonders and showing uh, his favor, showing his endorsement of what was going on. But then the rest of the chapter brings us back to opposition that the early church is facing from uh, the, the Jewish leaders there in the society and specifically the high priest. And so if we're thinking about time and truth go hand in hand, if we're thinking about this reality that if something is of God, it will not be able to be overthrown. The second application that I want us to make is to keep preaching, to keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, no matter what. Um, Because the high priest rises up and it says they were filled with jealousy and they arrested the apostles. Now we've already seen them bring some of the apostles in. So the fact that they're doing it again, I think it's reasonable to conclude that their intentions may be getting more and more serious. What happened when they eventually brought Jesus in? He was crucified. We're likely on a road more towards something like that. But then God intervenes because during the night, an angel opens the prison doors and brings the apostles out and tells them to go into the temple and to keep on uh, preaching the gospel. Here he says to, to speak all the words of this life. And so when they want to bring in the apostles for to the council, uh, uh-oh, they're not there. They're not in the prison and they find the prison locked. But then they say, wait, wait, the guys that were in prison are in the temple and they're teaching the people. And so now they bring them in, not by force. Now there's a fear setting in, even in um, the leaders. And so they bring them back in and they say to them in verse 28, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey 
him. So there, in response to saying, hey, we told you not to talk about this, you see Peter give the memorable line, we must obey God rather than men. And from this, I think it's right for Christians to to put what the Bible says together and to come to the conclusion, okay, God tells me repeatedly to submit to the governing authorities. So that's what I'm going to do except for when what they are telling me to do or not do conflicts with what God is instructing me to do. And here you see it put very succinctly, we must obey God rather than men. But then we see Peter give, again, notice how common this message is and the themes of you killed Jesus, God raised him, God has exalted him, and now people need to repent and their sins can be forgiven. Those things are coming up over and over. The crucifixion of Jesus and responsibility for it, um, the resurrection of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus, the need for repentance, and the result of forgiveness. And we need to keep proclaiming that message and not stop. And and I'm meaning that, and I think Peter even is saying that more on the macro level, not, hey, we need to be uh, proclaiming the gospel all day, every day, and, and never do anything else. Well, no, there's there's just things in life that need to happen uh, that, that will keep us from, from doing this 24-7. It's more in the sense of well, we need to never stop proclaiming these things. We need to never back down from the reality that Jesus was crucified because of our sin, that he was raised from the dead, uh, that he is exalted, that people need to repent, and that through that we can be forgiven. We need to keep proclaiming those things. Our churches, we, we need to keep gathering and proclaiming that We need to keep seeking to win the lost in our communities with that, and we should never stop doing those things. And those things at times will face opposition, and those things will be opposed, and even sometimes those things will be outlawed. That does not mean we should stop uh, proclaiming this message. And we see that example in the early church. We would be good, do well, to follow in that example. Now, what we see the response, they are so enraged that they want to kill them. And we're going to see, I mean, they just killed Jesus. Uh, Spoiler alert, they're just about to kill Stephen. So this is a a moment of real danger, it seems. But this man, Gamaliel, comes and uh, gives his thoughts, and it seems to cool things off for the moment. Now, who is he? We know from history he was very influential. But what is his point here? Um... That is not entirely clear why he is saying what he is saying, because I don't think there's enough here to say, oh, he's actually a friend of the early church, but clearly he is slowing things down from them being killed. Why did he say what he said? We don't totally know. Is it possible that maybe he is influenced by the fear that they're now experiencing, even seeing these people supernaturally released? What was his... Were his comments more fueled by superstition than by real faith? It's possible. But what he says, however he intended it, I think does reflect truth. He gives some historical examples, but it leads to that punchline in verse 39. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even found, be found opposing God. 
and they, they take his advice. And like I said, I don't know, the text doesn't tell us exactly what his intentions were in saying that, but I think he does say something profoundly true and something that now has been borne out by centuries and even millennia of history, that the work of the church is of God and it will not be able to be overthrown. That is a glorious truth that we do see in Acts 5. And so in light of that, let's be holy and let's keep preaching, knowing that time and truth go hand in hand. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.